what, and I want to understand the what, but many times I want to understand the why. Why are you doing this? Why, why do, what do you mean by this commandment? Is it really true that if I will give my heart to you, that you tell me you'll hold, that the, you'll, there will be no good thing that you'll withhold from them who walk uprightly? Do you, Lord, right now, I'm not seeing those good things. And I'll just have to be honest with you. I'm laying it out on the line, Lord. Am I not? Now, uh, what am I doing? I'm talking it through, but yes, I'm asking God uh, to, and I'm uh, access to his word. I'm saying, Lord, you teach me. Give me understanding in the word. And of course, the word of God is quick and powerful. It's living. So we're saying, Lord, the entrance of your word gives light. So I don't understand it right now, but I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to stick with it until you show me. So that's a good spiritual wrestling with the Lord. With the Lord. Not just with my emotions, but digging into the word. And I'll tell you one thing, that when you get into those situations, I have found now over the last few weeks, and I think back over in, oh, many years ago now, but I was going through Psalm 119, and it just seemed like God was just answering and showing me something. And why did it, that guy kind of blocked off? Why didn't I look at that gold mine for the last, you know, but now I'm getting back into the gold mine of thinking the way God thinks and thinking the way that he inspired this writer to think. And instead of, uh, you know, just pining away and worrying about finances and all that, no, Lord, I, I want to prove your word to be true because you tell me all this, but Lord, I don't want to live in defeat all the time. I don't want to be like certain Christians that they're just so negative all the time and many times I can be that way. So Lord, teach me your statutes. Make me to understand your precepts. So why? There it is. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works? I'm going to meditate. There it is. I'm going to meditate on your wonderful works. Remember one, the word wonderful is the idea of something that only God can reveal. And so, of course, the natural man receives not the things of God. So Lord, I want to, the wonders of your word. I, I, I told, talked a lot about uh, this uh, Rosario Butterfield and uh, her background and so forth and how that she was a leading feminist and had all kinds of moral problems in her life. But she started reading the Bible. And her testimony today is the Bible is very powerful in changing your thinking. I said, well, great, Lord, you taught her that. But teach us that. You know, I want to find out what she learned and even though she's a younger Christian than me, I mean, that's the thing. We learn so much from others, especially young Christians, where all this is fresh. Oh, yeah. I mean, I hadn't thought about that in years or whatever. And so, Lord, teach me your wonderful works. Show me again how powerful your word is. You know, sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. And so we see, make me to understand. And he says, so shall I meditate. Then the next time around, he says, my soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. So there the complaint and the answer. Strengthen me. There, you know, there again, just some of these psalms up, uh, some of these verses that will uh, pop out. If you turn over to verse 49, uh, he says that remember the, uh, the word of, to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, but I learned that from the word of God. But Lord, you know, you've blessed me in the past with your word. There's verses that have popped out, a message that I've heard, a verse that stuck, stuck in my mind, and you've given me hope in the past. And oh, that I will have it today. And then I think of a testimony that I heard a baseball manager who turned, became a Christian. By the, his name was Alvin Dark. And he was a, um, a manager for one of the most acrimonious uh, type of managers uh, in baseball. His, uh, his name was Charles Friendly, and he was a, the manager of the Oakland A's back when the Oakland A's were winning World Series and all that. Well, um, uh, Alvin Dark went home and his wife got into a Bible study and she got saved. And so then he went and, it, and so they started going and he got saved and he started reading the Bible just vociferously and just really getting into it and uh, memorizing scripture. And uh, all of a sudden people started noticing he wasn't cussing like he used to and all that. Now he still had a temper. I remember about a year after I heard the testimony, he took third base and threw it up in the stands because he's mad at the umpire. But at the time, but I don't know if he cussed at the time. But uh, of course, he still had a lot to go as far as learning how to control himself. But uh, I think about uh, Psalm 165 because uh, he said that, uh, what do you do with a guy like uh, Charles Finley who's always cutting you down publicly? He says, great peace have they who love thy law and nothing shall offend them. That's King James. So I just learned to trust in the Lord. And uh, you know, he told that on national news media. And I've never forgotten that verse. And praise the Lord for Alvin Dark. I don't even know if he's still alive now. But uh, I've used that verse over and over again. Is that, uh, of course, in, our, in the New King James, it says, A great peace have they uh, who love thy law, or your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. And so, um, if I love your law, then I can get through about anything. What's that? And nothing shall, and nothing shall, and nothing shall offend them, right. And so, or no one shall offend them. And so that's ver that verse has really helped me out, but I didn't learn it on my own. I learned it from a testimony of others, of another man. And so, uh, again, those are you know, just things that you pick up along the way. The gold mine that is part of this, uh, you know, this, this, psalm, or this psalm is just full of those little vignettes, those little things that uh, just stick out. And, they, and what you remember or hear them, they just have a way of sticking in your mind. So, Lord, strengthen me. Uh, my heart, you know, right now, is, I'm hurting, you know, there again. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will just about kill me. But I've had all kinds of people slandering me. I've had, I'm down. People are kicking me when I'm down. Uh, I thought I saw the light at the end of the tunnel, but all it was was a train coming my way, you know, or, or whatever else, you know. Uh, so all these things. So, Lord, you've got to do something, but I'm going to wait on you. They that wait on the Lord, Lord, prove that to me. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Strengthen me, Lord. So prove that to me. Prove that to me. I want to know it. I'm not going to let you go. I, I feel, I mean, everything, every, my, you know, the devil and everybody else is telling me, hey, listen, you're just getting too religious. But Lord, I know that you are the answer. I have said that you are the answer to a lot of people, but now, 
prove it to me one more time. So we see that he says, strengthen me. Your word leads me to hope and peace. Uh, yes, my heart is hurting. But yet in Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my the strength, is my, the light of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I fear? So here we see again, Lord, you approved yourself before. Then uh, in verse uh, 29, we see another situation. Now this is the one time he kind of turns it around. But he says, uh, remove from me the way of lying. So Lord, help me to walk in integrity. I live in a lying culture. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Now, he wasn't comparing himself to other people, but when he saw the Lord, all of a sudden, you know, that's the thing. When we compare ourselves with ourselves or with others, then as Paul says, we become unwise. Well, I'm better than so-and-so. I'm better than Rob, and Rob can pray the Lord. I'm better than the preacher. I saw him do whatever. So we, we can go back and forth about those things, but all we're doing is both of us, or all of us are sinners. Yeah, well, can we talk after this, right? Okay. <laughs> but, uh, um, but um, you know, there again is, oh, I, I'm just about as good as anybody in this church. Big deal. <laughs> you just got a bunch of people that are a bunch of sinners. But when we, become, when we get before the throne of grace and we see him in his, in his beauty, the king in whose law I delight, who lovingly guideth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night, all of a sudden, he's the one who's perfect, and I'm the one who tags along behind. And that's what he wants. As we, uh, you know, remove from me, uh, Lord, if there's, any in, uh, if there's not integrity in my life, I want to walk the way of truth. And then grant to me your law graciously. Now, with that, that we'll see now that he's really kind of building on something here. Grant to, my, uh, to me your law uh, graciously, he says, make me to know your, your law gives me, it's my schoolmaster, as Paul says. It gives me direction. But also, I want, the, I want you to teach it to me graciously because I don't want your law to turn into legalism. Remember, the, the Spirit gives life, but the, uh, um, but the law gives, uh, let's see, the Spirit gives life, but the law gives Boy, bondage or whatever. But anyway, am I not saying that verse right? Nobody's, okay, because most of you can correct me on the verses that run through my mind. But uh, there again, um, it's kind of like that person who plays the piano and I just, and uh, they'll give a chord and they'll leave the last off. Well, it doesn't bother me, but a musician, it just drives them crazy. But uh, there's, you know, but here we see that he says, um, uh, that, you know, Lord, grant it to me graciously. Help me to learn the grace that goes along with your law. Your law is a schoolmaster, and it can be very harsh. But teach me why, again, that law is there. Why shouldn't I hate somebody? Why shouldn't I have bitterness? Why shouldn't I not want to commit adultery? I mean, after all, everybody else is doing it. The, the, I mean, a teenager is going to do that, you know. Uh, hey, listen, look at all the movie stars and everybody else that's just having a grand old time and you're telling me that I should whatever. And so is that really true that you will bless those that will 
turn away from the things of the world. Why shouldn't I take drugs? I mean, everybody else is taking drugs and they're having a great old time and I'm sitting here alone on Saturday night because I'm not out running around with them. The loneliness of it can be. And so Lord, I, I want to know your law, but I need to know the, the grace of your law. No, just not the consequences. If I do this, my parents will kill me. Well, no, you don't want to do it because you know, you know your parents love you. You know, in the same way, uh, if I do this, God will, you know, he'll send a, you know, a fun thunderbolt from heaven and kill me. No, uh, he knows what's best. He knows the way that I take. And when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. Can I really trust God with that? And go through the trials and the heartache and the family ostracism. Can I really understand that sometimes when I stand alone, I'm not really alone because he's promised me he'll never leave me or forsake me. So we see that he's saying, Lord, grant to me your law. I've got to, I want to follow you because it, it, it does teach me what's right. It's my schoolmaster, but do it graciously. I mean, help me to learn not to, I don't do this, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't run around with those who do and all that kind of stuff. No, I do it because I know it's right. And in the end, it's going to be the right way. So we see that he's, uh, he's praying this. You know, I need to see uh, that gracious direction in my life and not the harsh legalism. But then with that, we see that now he chose the, the last three verses, we see he makes statements and it's really the confidence. He's going, notice he's going through all this, my soul clings to dust and all these things, you know, I'm, I'm having problems, you know, with all these things. My soul melts. I'm just really down. But I look back on what I've done in the past. And the one thing I've done, and I remember doing it, I have chosen the way of truth. I chose to walk with you just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. For me. I come. So Lord, I gave my life to you. I chose your way. And your way is the way of truth. Then as a result of that, your judgments have, uh, I have laid before me. I plan to do your will. I plan to do it. Folks, many times we just have to plan our obedience ahead of time. He says, your judgments. Of course, judgment is that idea of choosing that which is right and discerning what is right. So Lord, your judgments. There again, sometimes I don't understand the right from wrong, but I know that even when I don't understand them, that when I do what you tell me to do, then it's going to turn out right as well as be right. But your judgments, I plan to follow. So Lord, teach me your way. There it goes back to, you know, the whole prayer is uh, knit together. And so we see, first of all, that uh, he tells us that there's the choice. But then the next thing we see in verse 31 is the cost. Uh, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Do not put me to shame. Here he is. I'm clinging to your testimony. Remember, testimonies, what, those eight uh, different ways of using the word of God or synonyms for the word of God. Testimonies is what, he's, what you've seen God do either in your life or others. 
you've seen the word of God fulfilled. So I've, I've, I cling to your testimonies. I've, I've seen or I've heard or I've read about the heroes of your faith, of faith or I've read about Joshua, I've read about Moses, I've read about uh, Daniel. And I know your testimonies, Lord, and, if, and you're the same God of those people. You're the God of, and you name your favorite, you know, uh, Christian hero today. He says, I cling to your testimonies. He said, the psalmist uh, makes it clear that he has suffered for his commitment to the word of God. And he says this several times in verse 28 here, verse 50, 67, 71, 75, 85, 92, 107, 143, 153. He is saying, um, you know, I've clung to, the, to your testimonies and I've paid the price for it. It's cost me. But I know in the past, you've blessed me. But then we see something strange. He says, do not put me to shame. Now, he said all this and he expressed confidence in his Lord. And yet he prays, do not put me to shame. And there's a fear factor in stepping out on faith, isn't there? I mean, when I step out on faith, I'm having overcome fear. Uh, it's not, oh, I, I just wish I could walk through life and say, God will take care of all this. No, if I did that, I'd become so uh, carefree that I'd be careless or careless. So many times God has to put that challenge before me, a fear of failure, a fear of making a fool of myself, a fear of reproach, others thinking I'm a fool. There's all those things out there that uh, could put me to shame and embarrass me. So Lord, I want to stick with you. And I, I want to, so we see that uh, I put in there the fear factor. That's what I mean by the fear factor. There's always, whenever you step on faith, when God tells you to launch out into the deep, like he told Peter, uh, Peter did it, and I, but over the night, he said, Lord, we labored all night and caught nothing. Why did you do this? Remember? And the Lord says, keep on fishing, but throw, the, throw your net on the other side. And sometimes we just have to realize that God, we're obeying God. We're out there doing what, but then he tells us just one little technical thing and all of a sudden things change quickly. So there is a reason. And I could look back, oh, the mistakes I've made as a Christian. Um, some of the things I did in zeal, but no knowledge or no wisdom. Um, has anybody here not had those problems? <laughs> and yet, uh, and I, all, I, saw, I think I saw a grimace there, but <laughs> I didn't mean to bring up that, but we all grimace over things that we have done. And we did our best, but oh man. So Lord, teach me, don't let me do it again. <laughs> it's one of those things, you know, help me uh, in this situation. And so we see the, uh, the cost is that there is a fear factor in following the Lord. But then we see the course in verse 32. He says, I will run the course of your commandments. I am going to run the course. I am determined to get on the track and run. And what does Hebrews chapter 12 tell us? Verses one and two. He says, I run the, uh, he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
So yes, my Lord went through despising shame. My Lord went through a lot of, but he realized what was at the end. He realized that the joy that was set before him, he was willing to pay the price. Am I willing to pay the price and really believe that God has a great blessing for those who will walk with him? For the joy that was set. So can I trust him that at the end of the tunnel is the pot of gold as far as joy is concerned? Rainbow, okay, I'm mixing metaphors there, but I think you understand what I'm saying. But again, the idea of... Um, of the blessings. Do I really trust God that if I do this, even though I'm sacrificing at the moment or feeling like I'm sacrificing and all I'm doing is hanging on for dear life, but if I see him through, then he's going to see me through and he's going to bless above all that I could ask or think. And so he says, uh, because my Lord did that, so am I any better? Is the servant any better than the master? And one day, if my Lord is sitting on the throne, which he is, one day I'm going to see him face to face. But another key verse is, for you shall enlarge my heart. Now this is key because it's not enough just for us to go through the trials. But we also must have the confidence that this tribulation will bring blessed experience and experience is going to expand my hope. I don't want to go through trials and just be beaten after death. I want to be more than a conqueror through him who loved me so. And more than a conqueror is that you haven't just won the battle, but that you have a lot left over. I think of, uh, of England in World War I and II. She won both wars, but at the end of both wars, she was done with and she's never been a major power since. After World War I, I mean, I was talking to a lady one time, she talked about how that before World War I, World War II, uh, there was gratings on uh, iron, one of the fashion things in her town or whatever it was, this graded, this de- decorative, almost like what we have out front here, uh, on porches and everything, and that was very ornate and elaborate. She said they needed the iron so much that they stripped them off all the porches. You know, so that's just, I mean, and after the war they had won, but the, things had changed so drastically, even though the war never, you know, a German soldier never set foot on, in England, uh, England was done. I mean, she was bankrupt and everything else. It's a lot better to be more than a cocker. In other words, you win and there's something left over. Uh, sometimes uh, you see that in sports. I think of a college football game last year that, uh, or the playoffs, where the inferior, where a team just, uh, they played their hearts out and beat a superior team. But then they had to face another team of, as equal to the first team they played and they didn't have any gas left. And boy, they got stomped. I think it was 65 to seven or something like that. Well, uh, you, know, I want to, you know, I want to have gas left in the tank. You know, it's not enough just to win and go, wow, that's over with, but I don't want to do anything else. I'm just tired. It's another thing to say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. You know, no, maybe next week, but I'm ready. But, you know, let's, let's do rest a while. But uh, the Lord knows what you need. But he's promised that uh, he, he won't uh, allow you to be tempted or tried above that which you're able. Do you believe that? It's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. 
So again, I want to be more than a conqueror because if I'm not, then I will get, but if exhaustion and just total, I mean, even though you won, you have nothing left, it can turn to bitterness. It can turn to fatalism. Okay, Sarah, boy, go, here we go again. Boy, it's going to be fun, isn't it? Yeah, boy. I mean, what kind of victory is that? But Lord, you've done it before. You can do it again. And that's what I want. And so here, notice the, this guy is really uh, fighting a, a spiritual warfare, but a psychological warfare too, isn't he? It's a battle of the mind. And so he says, uh, uh, can I say, and I, like, I just said something up at the end, um, can I say like Psalm 71, it is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Boy, that's a hard one. It's been good that I have been afflicted because I've learned so much from you going through this trial. And so our life's trials can either make us bitter or better. Which do we want? And so, and how many people do I know where they, oh, yeah, I was a Christian, but by that church calls me problems or so-and-so, and they could always blame it on something, circumstances, places, or things, or whatever, you know, they could blame it on something where, where uh, things didn't happen the way they thought it should. And so circumstances, people, or things, those three things that could cause our problems. And so um, either I'm bitter about the circumstances, I'm bitter with people, or I'm bitter because God didn't give me the things I needed. Or I could say, God has supplied all my needs, and he knew I didn't need that in the first place. Or that person, yes, they, they were a trial, but they were the sandpaper that God used to knock some edges off of me. Can I trust God in those areas? Uh, there again, is Lord, I'm going to cling to you. Uh, I'm clinging to you, Lord. I'm lower than a grasshopper, but I'm going to cling to you. I don't know. I don't think I'm saying that right. Is it knee high to a glass, grasshopper or whatever it is, that old Southern saying? I'm down, but uh, I'm going to look up. I'm going to cling with all my heart to what God's promised. Okay, any questions or comments about what we looked at tonight? I don't know if we will go through every section because I don't know if it's going to get redundant. I've never tried this before, but I can't let it go, folks. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. <laughs> I mean, I've just, I mean, just God has spoken to me through this, you know, and he did it, you know, a quarter, um, years ago, decades ago. And I remember going through this before, I mean, just, but not like I am now, but God just gave me different verses and I'm going, wow, I need to get back into it. Now, 30, over 30 years later, I'm getting back into it. So, you know, it's just amazing. But there's all kinds of gold mines. The bad thing about it, there's other passages I want to do the same thing to. But uh, so if you ever, if you mine all the gold, then um, you won't mine all the gold. Let's put it. Oh, the, oh, the depth of the, oh, what is it? The depth of the wisdom and the knowledge of God in his ways past, past finding out. And so I want to know that depth and I want to know the wisdom and the ways of God. And I'll never learn it all until I get to heaven. And so I know.